Chapter Fifty Two of The Man in the Iron Mask. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Man in the Iron Mask by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Fifty Two Monsieur de Gevres Round. D'Artagnan was little used to resistance like that he had just experienced. He returned profoundly irritated to Nantes. Irritation, with this vigorous man, usually vented itself in impetuous attack, which few people, hitherto, were they king, were they giants, had been able to resist. Trembling with rage, he went straight to the castle, and asked an audience with the king. It might be about seven o'clock in the morning, and, since his arrival at Nantes, the king had been an early riser. But on arriving at the corridor with which we are acquainted, D'Artagnan found Monsieur de Gevres who stopped him politely, telling him not to speak too loud and disturb the king. "'Is the king asleep?' said D'Artagnan. "'Well, I will let him sleep. But about what o'clock do you suppose he will rise?' "'Oh, in about two hours. His Majesty has been up all night.' D'Artagnan took his hat again, bowed to Monsieur de Gevres, and returned to his own apartments. He came back at half-past nine, and was told that the king was at breakfast. "'That will just suit me,' said D'Artagnan. "'I will talk to the king while he is eating.' Monsieur de Brienne reminded D'Artagnan that the king would not see any one at mealtime. "'But,' said D'Artagnan, looking askant at Brienne, "'you do not know, perhaps, monsieur, that I have the privilege of entrer anywhere, and at any hour.' Brienne took the captain's hand kindly, and said, "'Not at Nantes, dear Monsieur d'Artagnan. The king, in this journey, has changed everything.' D'Artagnan, a little softened, asked about what o'clock the king would have finished his breakfast. "'We don't know.' "'Eh? Don't know? What does that mean? You don't know how much time the king devotes to eating? It is generally an hour.' and if we admit that the air of the loire gives an additional appetite we will extend it to an hour and a half that is enough i think i will wait where i am oh dear monsieur d'artagnan the order of the day is not to allow any person to remain in this corridor i am on guard for that particular purpose d'artagnan felt his anger mounting to his brain a second time he went out quickly, for fear of complicating the affair by a display of premature ill-humour. As soon as he was out, he began to reflect. "'The king,' said he, "'will not receive me, that is evident. The young man is angry. He is afraid, beforehand, of the words that I may speak to him. Yes, but in the meantime Belle-Isle is besieged, and my two friends by now probably taken or killed. Poor Porthos!' As to Master Aramis, he is always full of resources, and I am easy on his account. But no, no, Porthos is not yet an invalid, nor is Aramis in his dotage. The one with his arm, the other with his imagination, will find work for His Majesty's soldiers. Who knows if these brave men may not get up for the edification of His Most Christian Majesty a bastion of Saint-Gervais? I don't despair of it. They have cannon and a garrison. And yet, continued D'Artagnan, I don't know whether it would not be better to stop the combat. 
For myself alone I would not put up with either surly looks or insults from the king, but for my friends I must put up with everything. Shall I go to Monsieur Colbert? Now there is a man I must acquire the habit of terrifying. I will go to Monsieur Colbert. And D'Artagnan set forth bravely to find Monsieur Colbert, but was informed that he was working with the king at the castle of Nantes. Good, cried he. The times have come again in which I measured my steps from de Treville to the cardinal, from the cardinal to the queen, from the queen to Louis the Thirteenth. Truly is it said that men, in growing old, become children again. To the castle, then. He returned thither. Monsieur de Lyon was coming out. He gave D'Artagnan both hands, but told him that the king had been busy all the preceding evening and all night, and that orders had been given that no one should be admitted. "'Not even the captain who takes the order?' cried D'Artagnan. "'I think that is rather too strong.' "'Not even he,' said Monsieur de Lyon. "'Since that is the case,' replied D'Artagnan, wounded to the heart, "'since the captain of the musketeers, who has always entered the king's chamber, is no longer allowed to enter it, his cabinet, or his salle à manger, either the king is dead,' or his captain is in disgrace. Do me a favour, then, Monsieur de Lyonne, who are in favour, to return and tell the king plainly, I send him my resignation. D'Artagnan, beware of what you are doing. For friendship's sake, go. And he pushed him gently towards the cabinet. Well, I will go, said Lyonne. D'Artagnan waited, walking about the corridor in no enviable mood. The unreturn. "'Well, what did the king say?' exclaimed D'Artagnan. "'He simply answered, "'Tis well,' replied Leon. "'That it was well!' said the captain, with an explosion. "'That is to say, that he accepts it? "'Good! Now, then, I am free. "'I am only a plain citizen, Monsieur de Leon.' I have the pleasure of bidding you good-bye. Farewell, castle, corridor, antechamber. A bourgeois, about to breathe at liberty, takes his farewell of you. And without waiting longer, the captain sprang from the terrace down the staircase, where he had picked up the fragments of Gourville's letter. Five minutes after, he was at the hostelry, where, according to the custom of all great officers who have lodgings at the castle, he had taken what was called his city-chamber. But when he arrived there, instead of throwing off his sword and cloak, he took his pistols, put his money into a large leather purse, sent for his horses from the castle stables, and gave orders that would ensure their reaching Vaughan during the night. Everything went on according to his wishes. At eight o'clock in the evening he was putting his foot in the stirrup, when Monsieur de Gevre appeared at the head of twelve guards, in front of the hostelry. D'Artagnan saw all from the corner of his eye. He could not fail seeing thirteen men and thirteen horses. But he feigned not to observe anything, and was about to put his horse in motion. Gevre rode up to him. "'Monsieur D'Artagnan,' said he aloud. "'Ah, Monsieur de Gevre, good evening.' "'One would say you were getting on horseback.' More than that, I am mounted, as you see. It is fortunate I have met with you. Were you looking for me, then? <laughs> Mon Dieu, 
Yes. On the part of the king, I will wager. Yes. As I, three days ago, went in search of Monsieur Fouquet. Oh, nonsense. It is no use being over-delicate with me. That is all labor lost. Tell me at once you are come to arrest me. To arrest you? Good heavens, no. Why do you come to accost me with twelve horsemen at your heels, then? I am making my round. That isn't bad. And so you pick me up in your round, eh? I don't pick you up. I meet with you, and I beg you to come with me. Where? To the king. Good, said D'Artagnan with a bantering air. The king is disengaged. For heaven's sake, captain, said Monsieur de Gevre in a low voice to the musketeer. Do not compromise yourself. These men hear you. D'Artagnan laughed aloud and replied, March! People who are arrested are placed between the six first guards and the six last. But as I am not arresting you, said Monsieur de Gevre, you will march behind, with me, if you please. Well, said D'Artagnan, that is very polite, Duke, and you are right in being so. For if ever I had had to make my rounds near your chambre de vie, I should have been courteous to you, I assure you, on the word of a gentleman. Now, one favour more. What does the king want with me? Oh, the king is furious. Very well. The king, who has thought it worth while to be angry, may take the trouble to grow calm again. That is all. I shan't die of that, I will swear. No, but— but i shall be sent to keep company with unfortunate monsieur fouquet mordieu that is a gallant man a worthy man we shall live very sociably together i will be sworn here we are at the place of destination said the duke captain for heaven's sake be calm with the king ah <laughs> you are playing the brave man with me duke said d'artagnan throwing one of his defiant glances over gevre i have been told that you are ambitious of uniting your guards with my musketeers this strikes me as a splendid opportunity i will take exceeding good care not to avail myself of it captain and why not pray oh for many reasons in the first place for this if i were to succeed you in the musketeers after having arrested you ah then you admit you have arrested me no i don't say met me then so you were saying if you were to succeed me after having arrested me your musketeers at the first exercise with ball cartridges would fire my way by mistake oh as to that i won't say for the fellows do love me a little Gevre made D'Artagnan pass in first, and took him straight to the cabinet where Louis was waiting for his captain of the musketeers, and placed himself behind his colleague in the antechamber. The king could be heard distinctly, speaking aloud to Colbert, in the same cabinet where Colbert might have heard, a few days before, the king speaking aloud with Monsieur D'Artagnan. The guards remained as a mounted picket before the principal gate, and the report was quickly spread throughout the city that Monsieur le Capitaine of the Musketeers had been arrested by order of the King. 
then these men were seen to be in motion, and as in the good old days of Louis Thirteenth and Monsieur de Treville, groups were formed and staircases were filled. Vague murmurs, issuing from the court below, came rolling to the upper stories, like the distant moaning of the waves. Monsieur de Gevre became uneasy. He looked at his guards, who, after being interrogated by the musketeers who had just got among their ranks, began to shun them with a manifestation of innocence. D'Artagnan was certainly less disturbed by all this than Monsieur de Gevre, the captain of the guards. As soon as he entered, he seated himself on the ledge of a window whence, with his eagle glance, he saw all that was going on without the least emotion. No step of the progressive fermentation which had shown itself at the report of his arrest escaped him. He foresaw the very moment the explosion would take place, and we know that his previsions were in general correct. It would be very whimsical, thought he, if, this evening, my praetorian should make me king of France, how I should laugh! But at the height all was stopped. Guards, musketeers, officers, soldiers, murmurs, uneasiness, dispersed, vanished, died away. There was an end of menace and sedition. One word had calmed the waves. The king had desired Brienne to say, "'Hush, messieurs, you disturb the king!' D'Artagnan sighed. "'All is over,' said he. "'The musketeers of the present day are not those of His Majesty Louis Thirteenth. All is over.' "'Monsieur D'Artagnan, you are wanted in the antechamber of the king,' proclaimed an usher. End of chapter